Welcome to the 345th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on July 15th, 2023. My name is Brad Galloway. I'm the editor of GameCritics.com, and I'm also still the captain of this one-man ship. Carlos is still away on assignment, so I am doing a one-man show again. I did one last week, doing one this week. We'll see about next week. Who knows? But the show must go on, and I've got a full agenda ready to bring to you. I'm going to get right to the chase and skip any preamble since there's no one here to banter with. Going to jump right into the housekeeping section where I cover random bits and pieces relating to games or the games industry. All right. First thing that I saw this week, Major Nelson, uh, I believe his real name is Larry Erb, has been kind of a stalwart at Xbox for a long time, 20 years, in fact. Um, and he announced just a couple days ago that he is leaving. I don't know whether he's leaving Xbox or Microsoft altogether, or if he's just leaving and stepping down from his role as kind of like the point person for Xbox gaming and and Microsoft gaming in general. Um, he's got a lot of fans. A lot of people uh, are really, uh, you know, followers of his. He's got a pretty good presence on Twitter where he was often giving away stuff. And whenever a Microsoft event would pop up, he's usually the guy doing the emceeing or the interview or the introduction. So I feel like if you've been in gaming for any amount of time at all, you probably know who Major Nelson is uh, or Larry Erb, if you know him by his real name. And, uh, and, he's, and he's stepping down, so I'm not sure what they're going to do to replace him or who's going to step into his shoes. Uh, but that's a little piece of news I picked up this week. Kind of a weird side story. I was doing Microsoft um, events for a while myself in my, in my daytime capacity away from game, GameCritics.com. And I did meet uh, Major Nelson one time. Uh, he was much taller than I expected him to be. And to be perfectly honest, he was really rude. So I don't, that's all I have to say about him. It was like a super brief interaction. I don't know if he was having a bad day or what, but uh, I didn't look back on that time fondly. Don't have a lot of good memories of Major Nelson, so whatever. But good luck to him. Uh, I'm, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of friends, a lot of fans. Uh, he's very well loved, So uh, apart from me, I guess. So good luck to Major Nelson, wherever he may go. Um, let's see. Circling back uh, on some games that we talked about before, I want to talk about Sky Caravan for a second. Playing that on the Switch, I believe, was put out by Red Deer Games. This is the narrative choice-based game where you play a poor, like, surface person in the future who manages to get a spaceship and you become a trader in space. Um, At first, I wasn't sure if it was going to be one of those, like, buy low, sell high management games, but it's actually not. It's totally not that at all. You have, I think, six or eight different jobs you need to go on and you need to earn enough money to pay off the guy who's loan sharking you. Uh, You have a crew. Your chef is an anteater, bipedal anteater. You've got an escaped convict for your pilot and you've got a cyborg lady for your engineer. And you can also pick your background, kind of like in Mass Effect. And you go on these uh, narrative adventures. Like the graphics are really cool. It's really fast paced, um, pretty light, which I think is fine. I think it's a great game to just jump into, do a mission, then leave. And all together, it's pretty short. I was really, really liking this one a lot. I do like visual novels, which try something different. And this one had a really good vibe to it. Unfortunately, I got to the very last mission in the game and it is glitched. I cannot finish it. 
so disappointed because honestly, I feel like I probably had 30 minutes or less, probably less to finish the game and roll credits. And overall, huge thumbs up. I was really liking it a lot, but I just can't finish. I get to a section where I'm supposed to just advance some dialogue and get on to the next scene and the dialogue doesn't show up. I can't advance it and the scene doesn't advance and I got stuck. So it's a glitch. I tried to... Um, you know, delete the game and re-download. That didn't work. I've tried to quit the game and try again. Didn't work. I emailed uh, PR at Red Deer and I was like, hey, I love this game. I'm happy to pimp it, but like I can't finish it. You guys need to know about this. Number one and number two, is there a patch coming or something? Didn't hear back. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, and it's a bummer overall because other than this like fatal bug, I would like really recommend this to fans of visual novels, uh, sci-fi fans, narrative fans, anybody who wants something a little uh, lightweight and fast-paced. And I say that in the best possible sense. On the Switch, I thought it was great. Great um, little game to play in between bigger games. But man, I'm just so disappointed. I really wanted to see the end of this game and I just can't. So I'll keep an eye on it. Maybe they'll patch it. Maybe they won't. But I guess heads up, I guess don't buy it right now until they fix it. Uh, but when they do fix it, absolutely buy it. So anyway, that is the 411 on Sky Caravan. Also wanted to swing back around to Aliens Dark Descent. I've been talking about this one for the last couple of weeks, as you all know, if you listen to the show. And I am now in the final mission of the game. I'm maybe like an hour away from rolling credits, I think. Feels like the way that the pace is building and the drama is building and and knowing what's left in the story, it doesn't feel like there's all that much left. And I have to say, um, I know I've been really up on this game so far. I've been uh, really pimping it a lot. I, I feel very comfortable in saying I think this is the best Aliens game that's ever been made, like out of out of everything. Um, I've seen almost er like everything it's got to show. And I realize that, you know, it is a little rough around the edges. There's definitely been uh, more than the usual number of bugs, granted. Um, there's been a little weirdness. There's some UI stuff, which I'm not happy with. But overall, I think this is an absolutely brilliant game. I'm just loving every minute of it. So tense and exciting. Their unique spin on tactics is very different. At first, I thought it was going to be XCOM. It is not XCOM even remotely. Uh, it's not XCOM. It's not turn-based. It's not exactly real time it's kind of a blend of many different systems but it works excellently i love taking the crew of marines having uh giving them orders like as a group you don't need to micromanage anything and just having them go through these tense little corridors looking for aliens avoiding aliens uh and just dealing with all the stuff that you would see from the movie aliens like you know the acid spray and the face huggers and all the different vehicles from that movie and man it's just so great they have done a lot with the formula that they've set up for themselves, it would have been very, very easy to simply set up 10 missions. Every mission is basically the same, except for maybe a little bit different environments or something. But they have done, really outdone themselves when it comes to working what they have. There's some straightforward missions. There's some seeking missions. Uh, there is some, you know, kind of like more defensive missions. There's all sorts of stuff that they do with this. The way that they incorporate the vehicles is great. The way that they... Uh, have your your crew they all have little level ups and different classes i think that works really well there's also some like really awesome surprises i'm not going to spoil anything but they do pull some stuff uh out of nowhere later on in the game and it was just great it was so great like did not expect it didn't think they were going to go for it and they did and and apart from all that i gotta say the story i actually care about the story the story is great main characters i love the main characters uh i love where the plot's going um 
you know, it's aliens, so you kind of know what you're in for in general. But man, they got some surprises. They've got some cool twists. It's a genuinely neat story that is more than just a bug hunt. Uh, I feel like uh, Tindalos Interactive, who is the, the developers of this game, they just have really knocked it out of the park. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate that's a little buggy because if not, if not for that, it would be like a 100% absolutely recommend. And I, I still recommend it absolutely anyway. Um, a couple a couple bugs have been really kind of weird, though. Like, for example, there's this one section where you have to kill one specific alien in order to advance. And I killed it, but it glitched at that moment. And so there was half an alien torso that was somehow still quote-unquote alive even though it was blasted to shit and it came floating through the air after me and killed me uh which was hilarious also stupid and frustrating but also hilarious and it was fixed with just a quick restart from the last save point and i did it the next time there's no big deal but you know stuff like that happens where you're like okay that was dumb like please like this is this is goofy um but overall if you if you push the bugs aside and nothing has been game breaking nothing has been terrible it's all just been kind of like little annoyances here and there but Overall, what an amazing fucking game. They get it so right, and it is so smart, and it is so fun, especially if you're an Aliens fan. I love this game. This is going to be top 10 of the year, no question. Absolutely, it's a lock. It's going to be one of my top 10. So spoilers for December. Uh, you're going to hear about this game again, and I just cannot wait to roll credits. Uh, I just think it's so fantastic. So there you go. That is a circle back on Alien Stark Descent. Um, I'm going to jump into the main content of the show in just a moment here. But before I do, just a quick side note. Um, I had a little bit of trouble this week. I had a few games scheduled for the agenda and I ran into some problems. Mostly it was with a title called Rain World Downpour. Now, Rain World has been around for a while. I mean, at least at least a couple years, probably even more than that. To be honest, I don't even know how long it's been i've kind of lost track of time but i remember seeing this game a long time ago and it was really kind of a cult favorite where you play as an animal called i believe it's called a slug cat you're kind of like a cat kind of like a weasel or something where you're like this little animal that's really elongated and furry and you slide through tunnels it's a 2d i believe it's pixel based game and it's one of those mysterious games that has a lot of secrets and it's up to the players to kind of unravel uh lots of aggressive animals lots of uh, dealing with water, lots of trying to figure out where to go and what to do, and just kind of being immersed in this environment where you, the player, really don't know what's going on. You really don't know what's possible, what's not possible, and just trying to like figure it all out. Um, it's a pretty enigmatic title. The people who love it have really, really loved it, and I've seen a lot of people who bounce off it immediately. I've been very curious about it for a long time. I think I tried it for like five minutes on PC, but you know, you all know I don't play a lot of PC games. Uh, unless it's some kind of a porn game or something. Uh, and so it was not. It, and so I'm like, okay, pass. I don't want to do this on PC. But it came to other platforms and it recently just got a brand new expansion. Uh, so the, the proper game is called Rain World and the expansion is called Downpour. So I was sent a code by the developers or the publishers. And I was supposed to play this for the show. In fact, it was going to be my main game for the show this week. But unfortunately, I ran into this weird bug. And apparently, I'm just one of the only people on Earth who's had this bug. Um, but then again, that's kind of my luck, right? If you listen to the show for any length of time, you'll know that I've got really bad like tech juju. I've got this like anti-technology aura around me where whatever possible bugs could happen will happen. And I get the bugs that nobody else gets. And I get the weird technological stuff that other people don't have a problem with. In fact, it was so 
Um, it was so pronounced in me personally that when I was um, going to more in-person events, I don't do anything now because of COVID, but you know, uh, before COVID, when I was going to studios and visiting people here in Seattle, I would often go to check on the progress of um, one of our local studios for um, State of Decay. That's what it was. Jeez, boy, mental fog for a second there. Um, State of Decay, I would go down there and Jeff Strain, who was the studio head, I don't know where Jeff is or what's going on, um, but at the time, um, I would go down there and he'd be like, oh, hey, Brad, cool. I'm glad you're here because I need you to bug test this for me because he knew that when I would show up, I would find all of the bugs that like no one else found, even his own testers. And it happened. It happened every single time um, where I would just sit down with a build and I would play something like as normal. I'm not even trying to find the bugs. And it'd be like, oh, grenades don't work, or oh, the zombie got stuck, or oh, this thing didn't work, or this thing spawned wrong. And it was just like, I don't know what it was. It's just it's just who I am, and it's always been that way with me. So um, maybe that happened again here uh, with Rain World, because what happened was I downloaded the code, downloaded the DLC, and it did not respond to my controller. Like, the game booted up. I could see the title screen, and nothing. It was like, press any button to continue, and I could not. The buttons did not respond. And I um, tried a different controller. That didn't work. I tried deleting and re-downloading. That didn't work. I tried just closing and exiting and coming back. And that didn't work. Um, I talked to the developers. And they are like, man, this is crazy. We haven't had anybody else with this bug. But I've, I filmed it. Like, I filmed it happening. I sent them a video of me showing exactly what's going on in real time. And they're like, holy cow, you do have this bug. But we don't know how to reproduce it. And we don't know where it's coming from. So I was not able to play the game at all. I could not get past the title screen um, through no fault of my own. It just it just didn't work. So we spent a couple days trying to bug test that, and I just couldn't get around it. Um, they eventually sent me a PlayStation code, and I will be featuring the game next week. Um, I haven't started it yet. I had to take care of some other games, and I just, you know, it. the time that I had allotted for Rain World got eaten up with all the bug testing and trying to get past this weird glitch. So I didn't have time to play it this week. So apologies to the developers um, and apologies to anybody who uh, would want to hear about that this week, because I know it's a recent release, uh, but I will talk about it next week. And hopefully fingers crossed that the PlayStation code works just fine. So we will see how that goes. Um, but that did kind of throw a wrench into the works for me this week. Um, I think I have come up with some other content that will replace it. And I didn't want to just give you guys a show that was 15 minutes long. So uh, we'll see how it goes and you can tell me what you think. All right. That is going to do it for the opening housekeeping section. And uh, I think I'm probably going to take a sip of water here and we're going to jump into the main content of the show. All right. So here we go. Uh, let's see here. Uh, main content of the show. First game is called Scarf. This is a third person kind of behind the back platformer um it's a probably from a smaller studio i would imagine um it's cute and uh it's got a kind of an interesting hook to it basically uh you play this little guy person uh who is i guess a cosmic being of some kind like like the opening cutscene shows this person being born in space or something uh and then as you get to the world you meet this scarf but it's not really a scarf it's like a dragon and the dragon kind of looks like a weird like kind of non-specific form dragon but it can also flatten itself down to be an actual scarf and the game starts off with a really really terribly sad cutscene, which i thought was a little bit much for me that early in the morning essentially uh this is a baby dragon space dragon cosmic dragon i don't know and 
its mom is killed by greedy humans who want to exploit it. And so the dragon kind of looks like a scarf, kind of like it's made out of threads, I guess, sort of, not really. And humans have unraveled the mother and taken the various threads from her body and used it to create like portals all over the place to go to different dimensions. And they use her other threads to create things and make things disappear, basically just dismembering her and using every bit of her as some kind of like conduit to power it was gross it's not it's not graphic in any way like it's all very kind of abstracted but it was really sad and i wasn't ready for that and i got i had to take a moment to pull myself together after that open cutscene because it was much and then uh the game starts but basically you play this little cosmic kid with the baby dragon in scarf form around his neck and then you go off to do third person platforming and challenges. It plays much like you would expect in some aspects where there's jumping, there's double jumping, uh, like after five minutes, like you unlock the double jump and the scarf turns into like wings. It's kind of one of those things where the scarf can become whatever you need. Uh, for example, when you find some threads that you want to reclaim, it turns into like this big claw and grabs them back. When you need to double jump, it becomes wings and helps you fly. Uh, there's a few other things that it does. Um, I didn't get super far into it, but so that's kind of the hook, which is kind of a neat idea. I think the graphics are pretty well done. They're appealing, colorful. Um, animation could use some help. I think the, the kid walks around a little stiffly, and I feel like it just is not as smooth as I would like it to be. Um, for something that is otherwise pretty simple and straightforward, it feels like the animation could use a little bump there. But it seems to to fit the bill just fine if you want kind of a third-person platformer. Unfortunately, I feel like it gets off to a really poor start, to be honest with you. Um, after that opening cutscene, I think things were set up pretty well. But the level design is kind of is also kind of abstract a little bit. And there, I needed a little bit more guidance, but I figured out where to go and what to do. But unfortunately, the very first level that you do isn't a normal one. And I think that, you know, not to be like the backseat game developer or anything, but when you start a brand new game, you know, anything's possible. Anything can happen in a game. You don't know what your character does. You don't know what the rules are. You don't know what the developers expect of you. And so I think in general, it's always a really good idea for any game to start off with a pretty straightforward, basic level as your starting point so that the player can become acclimated to what's going on. What are you thinking? What are the ideas of this game? What are the verbs of this game? What can they expect? And then once you've got that on lock and you feel comfortable, that's when you can start changing things up. Like, for example, you know, like in Super Mario Brothers, like the very first level is just like nothing fancy. You get a couple power ups, you stomp a couple mushrooms, you get to the, the flagpole at the end. It's just basic. But that teaches you kind of what Mario is about, how the running works, how the jumping works. There's no tricks to it. Like you're not you're not doing the fireball pillars. You're not doing the disappearing platforms. You're not doing like anything timed, like other than the basic level timer. But, you know, it, it's really straightforward. And I think that's just honestly just the best way to start like anything pretty much. Uh, but unfortunately, Scarf doesn't do that. Uh, I, I believe the core the core tenets of this gameplay are going to be the platforming and doing really basic puzzle solving, like moving a block to step on it to get to a higher place or something like that. You know, pretty familiar to anybody who's played third person platformers or even platformers in general. But they take a wrong turn right from the start. Like after the very, very, very beginning, the first level is um, full of water. And so you have to like get this, I guess, ball of oxygen or something. You carry it, you go underwater, it leads you to this other place. And then you get to this other place and you can't carry it with you because you can't carry items up, uh, up a step. And then there is um, some platforms to deal with that you, you navigate. And that seems to be like kind of okay. But then you have to also use a different oxygen ball to go through different water and you get to this other area where it's just really confusing there's stairs and then there's this other 
like switch to flip and it just, it feels like there's like a lot going on and I haven't even really come to grips with the game yet. I feel like the water level, which is the game's first level, that should have been like a level three or a level four once I am fully comfortable with my guy and and the scarf and and what I need to do. I would have been absolutely fine with a very basic like nothing going on here, just jumping a couple platforms, moving a couple blocks. Uh, bopping a couple dudes and then just, uh, you know, get to the end of the level. Okay, good. I understand what's going on now. Great. We're going to add one thing to it and then just move on from there. But I feel like there's like the, the ideas haven't even been established. And so I'm doing something that I'm not really sure what I'm doing. And I, I don't know if the water thing is going to be consistent throughout the whole rest of the game or what. It just felt very confused and jumbled and kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. So if I was like a huge fan of third person platformers, I probably would have stuck it out. Or if I had nothing else to play, I probably would have stuck it out because it wasn't terrible. But this is a pretty rookie stumble for um, a game genre that I think is pretty well defined by this point. Uh, I don't think that they're necessarily trying to like push the envelope in any way. I think they just made a couple really bad calls. And I it just gets the whole game off to a bad start. So um, I bounced on Scarf pretty quickly because honestly, I found it kind of irritating. And I just, uh, you know, that's just me these days. I feel like games are have been a medium for what 40 40 50 years by now i feel like the way you develop a game properly is pretty well established and then once you have that unlock you can kind of do things on your own but for a game like this uh that just was a really strange and kind of inappropriate way to begin so bounced on it but i mean it wasn't a terrible experience and i bet if you're looking for a third person platformer it's really cute you know the the character design is pretty cute little uh journey vibes with that scarf thing going on. So it's not uh, not a bad game, but it did not uh, get off on the right foot with me, unfortunately. And these days, sometimes that's all it takes. So that is Scarf was playing that on the PS5. All right, so the next thing up on the agenda here is the ID at Xbox demo event, indie developer at Xbox demo event. I don't know if other people have been hip to this or not. It kind of snuck up on me. Didn't really get any emails about it. Didn't really get any big heads up about it. Um, I think I had maybe like one developer tell me that their demo was up. But other than that, I, I wouldn't have even known it was on. Uh, I think I just kind of stumbled onto it on the Xbox uh, store page. It's usually pretty buried, but they surfaced it a little bit and it wasn't too hard to find this year. So that's great. Kudos to the Xbox team for not burying it under 10,000 menus. Uh, but the PR side of things really needs some help. I It would have been very easy to not even know that this event was happening. So I jumped into this and played a bunch of demos. I love indie games, as you know, and I love demos. So this is a great time and it's on Xbox. Everything's really easy. And I just, I dabbled with a few things. So let me tell you about what I played, what was good, what was bad so far. Uh, first one was called Cell Scientists Beyond. Uh, an interesting game that kind of reminded me of something like Trauma Team or Trauma Center back in the day, if anybody remembers that game, where you uh, go after diseases by shrinking yourself down super small and going into the human body. Great idea. I love this idea. I wish developers would do it more. Uh, unfortunately, this one didn't click for me. It's kind of like a puzzle game, but really strange where you have a little ship that travels in an orbit and you have to place those orbits around each level trying to force your ship to crash into viruses and bugs inside the body. Um, but it's really awkward and just like trying to, to fit circles around the level just feels very unintuitive and really strange. Um, it's not at all what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more of like a straightforward kind of a shooter or something like that, or maybe more puzzling in a traditional sense. It did not work. 
but I like the concept and I wish that uh, someone else would keep running with that. Next one was called Exhausted Man, which was really funny and cute uh, visually. You play as a person, man or woman, I believe you can choose, where you're, I guess, so tired, you're just laying flat on the ground and you can't get up. What, what this boils down to is you kind of move like a snake, which honestly is more work and more exhausting than simply walking. So that's kind of funny. But you you roll around and flop around and move like a snake. So that in itself is kind of already humorous. But the game is so bizarre and non-standard that I had no idea what to do with it. Uh, The tutorial was not great. They don't introduce the game very well. I was really confused because it starts with the game giving you a bunch of props to choose from, like a potted plant, a glass of juice, a TV, a weight bench. They give you these random things and they're like, okay, the show's about to start. Put these props in the room. And I'm like, what's even happening? I don't, why am I doing this? So I I just go with the flow. I put some stuff in the room and then it's like, all right, challenge number one, do this thing. And it just has you doing these weird things for some reason that doesn't make sense. Again, a victim of a really poor tutorial for something that is so unusual as this game, taking a snake-like person and flopping them around an environment. Um, you would think it would kind of be like a Katamari sort of a thing or maybe like a Quop sort of a thing, but it's not really like it's kind of like you're doing these challenges, but maybe they're self-selected challenges. I, To be honest with you, I was kind of lost. I really wish that the developers had taken more time to do a more straightforward tutorial. Maybe there will be in the main game. I'm not out on this one, but I feel like it got off to, again, a really poor start and I just didn't really understand what was happening. So I bounced on that one. One thing that wasn't too hard to understand was Marble It Up Ultra. Now, I don't know if this is related to Marble Blast Ultra. Seems like very possible. That's a very similar name, very similar mechanics. But if anybody remembers um, way back in the day on Xbox 360, one of the beginning launch titles for Xbox Live indie games, uh, which was a huge thing in and of itself, that could be a whole show in and of itself, was Marble Blast Ultra. And that man, I thought that was just the funnest game where you take a marble and you go onto these uh, like different courses and you use the physics of the marble to just get from point A to point B. So a lot of it was like hills and jumps and gaps to, to fall down or to avoid, spikes to avoid. It's just navigating this marble, right? Like it just was really simple, straightforward, but it was fun, really well done. I had a great time with Marble Blast Ultra. And this is kind of the spiritual successor, if not the direct successor to it. Uh, Everybody knows we don't do research on the show. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me at all to see that this was the uh, true sequel or from the same developers. But basically, you take a marble, you go on these levels, these tracks, and you do the same thing. You just just run around with the marble and jump and you get little power ups that make the marble float or make the marble bounce or make it real heavy or something like that. And it's just really straightforward. It reminds me a little bit of like Super Monkey Ball, if anybody's played that. Kind of where you just, you know, level after level after level of navigating this ball through different obstacles. Nothing complicated about it, but it's really fun and just really arcadey and just a good time. So I, I liked Marble It Up Ultra quite a bit. I probably will buy that one. No problem. Uh, next one up was Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde. So I guess the developers of Vampire Survivors should stand up and take a bow because I am seeing a lot of what I guess we will call Survivors likes. Uh, So Vampire Survivors, in case you didn't play it, was kind of the indie wonder hit of last year where it's kind of like defies uh, imagination and defies all the odds where you play a little 2D dude who's barely even animated and you just get swarmed from enemies from all sides and you 
pick up weapons which auto fire so basically all you're really doing is navigating a little guy on a 2d plane avoiding enemies while the game auto destroys them based on what weapons you have um and you just level up level up level up there's a lot of secrets to it etc etc um wildly fun wildly addictive you look at it it looks like crap but then you play it you're like holy shit this is like amazingly fun i love it so clearly uh people are flocking to this formula now and i just I have such difficulty with this, right? Because there's no new ideas under the sun. Everything that's been invented has already been invented before. Everything that's been done has been done before. I get it. All right. I get it. Genuinely new ideas are as scarce as hen's teeth. And folks, I have chickens and they don't have teeth. So I get that. But at the same time, I have real misgivings about when a game breaks big. And then in six months, there's like 15 clones of it. Like, you know, Souls Likes we're still like inundated with souls likes but like now we're getting survivors likes where basically spirit hunters infinite horde is basically vampire survivors just not as good uh the graphics are uh, slightly more colorful they're slightly more polished uh the ui is better i mean it doesn't seem as bare bones as vampire survivors does but i think it's kind of the, the appeal of vampire survivors is that it feels so lo-fi this one has a, a another coat of paint on it but otherwise exactly the same and honestly it's not nearly as fun I, I picked up a couple of weapons and then I just, I didn't get any new weapons. Like nothing really changed. I was just like leveling up like, oh, your spear gets uh 20% more range and your shield gets uh one extra hit or something like it. It got boring really quickly. And of course this is a demo. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. Probably more weapons, more power-ups and stuff. But even in the demo, I was already kind of getting bored and I'm like, okay, I've played this before. I went all in on Vampire Survivors. I have like 100% save going on that and they keep releasing DLC. So I keep going back to it. And I just, folks, I just need one of those games. I don't need many more of those. So I don't think I'm going to be investing. And just on a strictly personal level, like I'm not trying to call anybody out here or anything. I'm not trying to shame anybody. Although maybe I am. But just like, I, I have problems with developers who just basically straight up copy something that someone else has done without really adding anything to it, without really having their own spin. I don't think that adding a little bit of uh, graphics and a little bit of animation is really doing anything different than what Vampire Survivors did. And I don't know. I just, <laughs> that just seems kind of shady and not really super respectful. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to be spending any time with this one. And I hope that we don't see too many more of these because honestly, we don't need a bunch of clones unless you've got some kind of really, really cool spin on it. Next one was Arrow, Arrow, Arrow 2, A-A-E-R-O. Uh, this is a shooter and it's kind of sometimes on rails shooter. Sometimes it's not where you play a little ship. You see the ship from behind the back third person and you have kind of a reticle that you train around the screen to shoot things. But also when you're not shooting things, you are moving your ship to jump between rails uh, and these rails have musical notes on them. So if you maneuver your ship with skill, it plays a cool, you know, techno rock music and, you know, you get get you pumping and stuff. Uh, and then when you, you do that successfully for a while and you get out to a little section, you shoot some enemies, then you get back on the rails and then you just kind of do that. Uh, this is the sequel to Arrow, the first one, which was pretty well received by musical game fans. Uh, I never played it, but I heard it was good and playing this demo, it seems cool. And I like when the music gets going and when you're not making mistakes and you're kind of, you know, everything is kind of coming together, your, your pulse gets pounding and it's kind of fun. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I kind of got tired of it after just the demo. And I don't think I'll be coming back for more. But if you are a music game fan or if you really liked the first one, I mean, this seems like a really well done game. It looks good. The music's good. I get it. But it's maybe just not for me. Not a problem with that. Just not for me. Uh, 
All right, and then uh, up next was Raging Bites, B-Y-T-E-S. This is a top-down, well, kind of a you know 2D top-down, 16-bit-ish RPG, uh, which is basically like Walking Dead, the 16-bit RPG. Starts out exactly like The Walking Dead does with a character waking up in a hospital. What's going on? You walk out in the hallway and you're like, oh my God, zombies. And, you know, you can see how this goes from there. Um, it was okay. Uh, I think I'm just personally not into RPGs right now, uh, especially turn-based ones, just me personally. Uh, but I think the graphics were cute. The pixel art was really nice. Uh, the battles are interesting. If you like turn-based stuff, there's some stealth elements to it, which kind of happens in real time, which I think is a neat twist to this, where you'll get to a section with a lot of zombies and you can either hide behind things or you can try to dash through to avoid combat, which I think is a cool spin. Good idea. Um, but uh, I, not for me, I don't think, because number one, I'm not into these types of games right now, but also I just, I'm tired of like searching for things. I know this is a really specific complaint. I apologize, but like going into a room and searching, like clicking on everything and searching for things is something I don't want to do. I feel like it's a waste of my lifespan. If there's something for me to pick up in the room, I prefer games that like have it highlighted with a sparkle or an outline or something. Just let me know that it's there so I can grab it if I want it. Um, but like clicking on this door, nothing here, clicking on this box, nothing here, clicking on this other thing, nothing here. Uh, I believe that some things do get highlighted if you walk close enough to them, I believe. But I just, I don't know. It's its a real small nitpick. I get it. Like, I'm not i am not trying to slam the developers. I know this is like a Brad thing. But uh, between it being a an RPG and the searching and stuff, I'm like, okay, not for me. Not for me. Uh, but if you like 16-bit type RPGs and you like zombies, uh, I think this one is definitely worth checking out. And I, uh, I think there's some cool ideas here, especially the stealth stuff was pretty neat. Next one up was Metal Mind. This is one that I'm actually interested in. This is a 2D kind of top-down roguelike where you play a little robot who's in, I don't know, testing lab, science lab, something. Uh, you get some components right off the bat and the game shows you that you can tinker with yourself. So it's kind of like Armored Core on a very, very small scale where you have weapons that you can equip to both arms. They have their damage values, their weight value, their cooldown value, stuff like that. I believe you can also change parts of your body as well. This was just the demo, so there wasn't like a lot to it, but I can see what they were going for. Uh, and I really like that a lot. I think it's a cool idea. Um, again, the tutorial was not great, so I kind of struggled with the tutorial a little bit. Uh, folks, please, please do yourself a favor. Take some time, make a good tutorial because it just it just makes everything so much better if people aren't getting annoyed and stuck in the very beginning of your game. Uh, there's a few aspects of this game that I think could have been cleared up, but I got past them, you know, eventually. And I am very interested in the final product of this one. I like roguelikes. I am Mr. Roguelike. I like um, 2D games, I like top-down games, and I like Armored Core and tinkering with robots and stuff. That's really fun. So this one seems to check a lot of those boxes, and I am pretty excited about that. Next one up was a 2D platformer, which I've heard a lot about, actually. It's called Trinity Fusion. You play one of three women, and I guess you can switch between them, I think. Um, I'm not clear if it's a roguelike or not. I couldn't tell, and the game wasn't really specific. And in fact, again, I know this is kind of like uh, me beating a dead horse here, but again, terrible tutorial. Uh, I don't know anything about your game, and when the game started, like it did like essentially no walkthrough of anything like explaining any of the systems it was kind of just like figured out on your own um but you have a dodge it doesn't seem like you have a block uh which seems to be like kind of the new cool thing in action games these days of no block just dodge which i don't know that i'm really down for um but you have one lady that had kind of like techno powers one lady that had like a gun and one lady that had like a sword 
Uh, but you go through these levels, jumping, running, platforming, pick up different weapons as you go, different attributes, and just a lot of like fast action. Graphics are really nice. Um, I like the idea of being able to switch between these characters. There's kind of a dimensional aspect to the story. I'm not sure how that plays into it. Uh, but it seemed pretty solid, something that I would love to check out in more detail, uh, but definitely needs a better tutorial. It needs to explain its systems, explain the relationship between the three women, explain like the different aspects of your character, how it works mechanically. So a lot of questions and it was a pretty rough tutorial, but I see potential here and this is one I'm going to be looking uh, more closely at. Also played Born of Bread. This is a very uh, reminiscent to anybody who's played any of the Paper Mario games. It's kind of a 2.5D game where your characters kind of look like paper cutouts and you're in a world that has depth so you can walk into and out of the background. You play a little boy who is made of born of bread, as it says in the title. Uh, your dad is, a, I guess, a baker or a pastry chef who creates you on accident. And then you guys uh, get set out into the world to go do a bunch of stuff, RPG-style quests. It's got turn-based battles, very much like Paper Mario, where you'll select an attack, and then if you push a button with good timing, the attack does extra damage. If you want to block, you got to hit a button to block, and if you have good timing there, it prevents extra damage. Uh, different special abilities and stuff. Seems really cool. Um, not my jam because I'm not really into the Paper Mario games, but I know a lot of people really love them. This one seems like a very good one. It seems very polished. The graphics were very nice, uh, really sharp looking. Um, I mean, it just seems like a very well done package. The story, what I saw of it, seems to have some humorous notes. So I'm guessing there might be some laughs there. It just has a really warm, like inviting vibe to it. Um, it's not for me specifically, but I bet a lot of people would like this one. Um, I believe we also have a preview coming up from Eugene Sachs at GameCritics.com. So you can look for that as well coming soon. Uh, but if you like Paper Mario type 2.5D games, this is definitely one to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, the last game that I played from the ID at Xbox event was called Black Skylands. And this is one I'm actually quite excited about. Another one that I've heard about for a long time on PC, just now making its way to console. This one is a totally top-down, and so top-down as in you're looking at the top of your character's head. That top-down, like straight up and down view. You're in kind of a world where there's like floating islands and airships, and I think that's a fun setting that I enjoy. Uh, you play a girl who uh, wants to be kind of a captain of her own ship. You go through this tutorial where you learn about like shooting, kind of twin stick shooting. She's also got a harpoon that lets her cross gaps, which is kind of fun. Grappling hook action is always good. You can pick up things. Uh, you have a little moth that is your buddy and the moth can perform tasks for you. Like if you find something that you want to keep, but you don't have room for it in your inventory, you give it to the moth, the moth flies it back to your ship, which is fun. And then you get to the airship portion and you can fly around like this. Uh, I don't know how open the world is, but in the demo, I flew around quite a bit and there is uh, navigation. You manage the fuel, you manage the repairs of your ship in the top-down perspective. But then there are also some cool combat, ship-to-ship -ship combat, which I thought was really fun because uh, the very first fight you get into, you are loaded with guns and you kind of broadside this other ship and you just blow it the fuck out of the sky. I'm sure that that's intentional. You know, they want to get you off on a good foot in the tutorial, which is great. Good idea. Uh, but it felt amazing to like blow that ship up and see it crumble into bits. Uh, felt like a real badass after that. So I'm really, really excited for this one. I think this is probably my favorite demo out of the whole thing. And this is the one that I am most looking forward to. Um, so Black Skylands, um, I believe it's pretty well received on PC. And I'm very much looking forward to playing it on my Xbox. Now, that was all I played for this week of the ID and Xbox event. But last I checked, there was at least like, I want to say at least 30 different demos. And I believe they were adding a couple more each day to kind of get you to come back. 
Uh, I already had downloaded maybe five or 10 other ones that I didn't get to. Uh, and there's probably more now than when I first downloaded this stuff. I'm not sure how long the event lasts, but by the time you hear this podcast, it's very possible that all these demos are still up there. So check out the ones that I have called out. Maybe check out some of the other ones I didn't mention, but there's a lot to choose from. And I really love that Xbox does this. I think they need to, to pimp it a little bit more, make sure that people know that it's out there. But I love this kind of thing. Just a bunch of demos, seeing what's up in the indie scene on Xbox, uh, getting the chance to try some of these games that I've heard about from PC. Uh, really, really cool. So kudos to Xbox for hosting this again. I hope it hope it continues forever. And uh, some of these games I think are definitely worth checking out uh, and, and check out the ones that I didn't talk about. All right. Uh, let me see what's next on the agenda here. All right. Uh, okay, so the next one is kind of a funny thing. Um, Exoprimal came out from Capcom, one of my favorite uh, developers slash publishers. Uh, came out on every system plus on Game Pass. And so I wasn't going to buy this, but since it came out on Game Pass, I figured what the heck. Um, so I talked about this on Twitter for a minute. Uh, what is the game? The game is basically a third person, I don't know, kind of, kind of like a... Overwatch, sort of a thing. It's kind of like um, a team-based game where you get in these exosuits and you shoot dinosaurs that are coming through portals in time. And it's kind of like Overwatch. It's kind of like, I don't know, Warframe a little bit. It's this weird mishmash of stuff. Um, You know, dinosaurs are cool. Robots are cool. Exosuits are cool. But something about this game just didn't have it. You didn't have it. You know what I mean? Like you look at it, at least for me, and I just wasn't getting the vibe of like, yeah, I want to play that. I just was like, Ugh, what's this? And it just um, I think a big part of it is just like the visual style, I think, is really not great. The designs of the exosuits are not cool. Um, and usually Capcom is like so cool. Like they have some amazing artists in their studio. Some of the best artists in the entire industry, as far as I'm concerned, um, they've had a history, uh, uh, you know, a, a legacy of fantastic art over the top, perfect, wonderful art. And to see something that looked ugly like this, I was like, what's going on? This doesn't have that Capcom vibe like at all. So I downloaded it, uh, from, uh, game pass. And I went to go start playing it and it immediately hits you in the face with one of those, oh, you must have a Capcom ID account. You must log in and here's a QR code on your TV and sync this up with your Xbox ID pass thing. And I was like, no. And I just, I tried it once and I, I couldn't get into it. And I was like, okay, this is pissing me off. It didn't work. It kept sending me like in this loop between the Xbox and my phone online and going to the, the Capcom website and back to the Xbox and back to my phone. And I was like, this is pissing me the fuck off. Um, I actually deleted it because I'm like, I'm not even going to bother because I don't like, I don't even know if I like this game, right? I don't even know if I want to spend time with this game and I don't want to have to spend all this time syncing up my different devices and giving it my personal information and doing this and that and the other thing before I even know that I'm even invested in this game, right? So I deleted it off and I was like, fuck this, I'm moving on. Um, but I got an email later that same day from Capcom PR and they're like, Oh, how's it going with Exoprimal? And I'm like, and I had like no response. Right. So I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Get over yourself, Brad. You can do this. Maintain good relations with, uh, the PR people, especially Capcom. I love Capcom. 
I love Capcom, so I got to maintain that relationship. Again, to be clear, not that I'm promising anybody a good review, not that I am going to be, you know, giving anybody a sweetheart deal, but just, you know, just to try it, just to say that I tried it. And that's all PR was asking. So I'm like, fine, grumble, grumble, groan. I downloaded it again and I braced myself for the bullshit and I, um, I got through it. It was really painful. It was really painful to get that thing signed up and get it all hooked up. It was just really fucking annoying. Um, I hate that. Developers don't do that. Anyway, loaded up the game and I got to say, it just is a really strange mishmash of stuff where the tutorial is crap. Um, I think the opening story was not great. And you're basically just like running around these small arenas and a team shooting dinosaurs and kind of like grinding for experience or whatever. You've got a bunch of different exosuits that you can switch back and forth between. So I guess I'm not sure what is the point of it. If everybody on the, you know, if there's class-based, it's like, it's like if you were playing Overwatch and everybody could be Torbjorn at the same time or everybody, you know, you start off as like Hanzo and then you change into, um, you know, somebody else, like you change into Widowmaker and then change back. I mean, cool, I guess if it's a solo game, but if you're on a team, it kind of, I guess I'm just wondering why they do that if everybody's supposed to have a role. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, maybe there's something to it that I wasn't quite getting. But um, so I, I played a little bit and I just like just none of it was was hitting with me. I got past the tutorial and then they say to the hub. And the hub is like, here's all these modes and here's all this stuff. And it just looks like a kind of a grindy sort of a, you know, hey, get together with your friends and grind on this game for a while sort of a thing. And I just nothing, nothing here was giving me that classic Capcom slick well-produced cool concept you know like it just didn't have that that juice that stuff that i like uh from most capcom games it felt like a really strange odd duck that just wasn't wasn't quacking for me so i did not play very much past that uh didn't say that i it agreed with me very much uh didn't see a lot here that was interesting and to be perfectly frank it's just an ugly game i don't think i don't like the way that the 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 suits look and if you're going to be looking at the suits all the time they have to be cool and Capcom is a, a house that I associate with cool. Like Capcom is the house of cool. This is not cool. It doesn't look cool. It doesn't make me excited to play this. And, you know, in this particular case, image counts for a lot um, considering the source. So I bounced. I deleted it a second time. Did not like it. I will not be coming back to it. And to be perfectly frank, uh, this seems to me like DOA. Like I'm kind of wondering why Capcom went with this. It just doesn't. I think they would have been better off making a single player you know, robo versus dinosaur game that you could go through at your own pace. That would make more sense to be able to switch through the different suits. You would have more time to get acclimated to the systems. It wouldn't be about grinding the same levels over and over. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they really missed a trick on this one. It kind of reminds me of when they were trying to um, turn Lost Planet into kind of a PvP or or online sort of a thing. If anybody remembers Lost Planet, where the game itself, really cool, but when they tried to go PVP, it just fell apart. Like it just didn't make sense. It's not something I wanted to play. I don't think anybody was asking for it. And it flopped pretty hard. Lost Planet 2 specifically, where half the game was focused on doing PVP and PVPVE stuff. And it just didn't work. So I feel like they're trying that again. And again, I think they should just focus on a traditional game. I would like to be in an exosuit killing dinosaurs, but with traditional levels and with traditional progression and something that is just more sensible um, I really don't need another game as a service right now. I don't need another team game. Not really interested in any of those things right now. And it just looks like ass. 
So sorry, Capcom. Still love you. You're still near the top of my list, but this one, it just feels like a misfire from the get-go. And after talking to people on Twitter, like basically no one was interested in playing this. I hit up all my crew, all my usual people I talked to, other critics, other friends, and a couple of people gave it a shot and kind of shrugged, and most people weren't even going to give it a shot. So I feel like Capcom maybe threw a bunch of money away on nothing on this one, which is so weird. Um, they don't usually make giant missteps, but every once in a while, I guess... And this one just has fail all over it. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be awesome in six months. Who knows? But yeah, not uh, not working for me, man. I think I'm going to bounce. So there's that. All right. And let's see. The final big chunk of the main content of the show is something interesting. Um, I've seen some people talking about Halloween in July because Halloween is a lot of people's favorite holiday and it's still quite a ways off. And, uh, you know, it's summertime, it's sunny, people are talking about the beach and going outside and sports and the ocean and stuff, which is all cool, which is all cool. But, you know, if you're kind of a spoopy inclined person and you want to do some scary stuff, maybe it's a good time to, uh, to do Halloween in July. We do Christmas in July. Why not Halloween in July? So I'm not traditionally a spoopy game kind of guy. I do play some, but my tolerance for fear has gone way down in my old age and I don't like to be jump scared and I don't like those sort of things. Um, but I do like a good scary game if it's done well, if there's an interesting twist to it, if there's something really unique about it. Um, so full disclosure, I went to Twitter and I was asking people, Hey, uh, tell me your favorite spoopy game. But the trick was I did not want a first person horror title because I've said this before on the show. I think first person horror games are one of the most played out genres at the moment. Right now I get advertisements and PR for them, uh, in my game critics editorial email box. I mean, I get at least a couple a day where it's like, Hey, another first person atmospheric, scary, spooky game where it's fucking black hallways and you've got a candle or a lighter and you're looking for your lost relative or you're looking for your lost memories or you don't know what's going on or you're in a mental asylum. And it's like, I enough, dude, enough. Like, I don't I don't want to play any more of those. I feel like they're all just played out. They're all the same. If you showed me screenshots of like 10 different horror, first person horror games, I, I challenge anybody to tell those apart. Like I just they just it's really stale and really stagnant right now. And I didn't want to, to delve into that. But what I did want was anything that wasn't a first person horror game. So I was like, Hey, Twitter, Twitter family, Twitter friends, we're going to be doing some Halloween in July. Tell me your favorite horror game. That is not first person because I thoroughly believe horror can be done in third person or in any, you know, anything second person or any, you know, top down, whatever you can do all sorts of horror. That doesn't have to be first person in dark hallways. Uh, and the, and Twitter proved it. I mean, there's a whole list of stuff that I'm going to go through. I'm just going to read these off really quickly. So if you're looking for spooky games that are not first person that do something else, this is going to be a great list. Some of these are older. Some of these are newer. Uh, and one thing that I kind of took away from this is that a good spooky game sticks with people for a long time. So a lot of these are, are much older games. We're talking PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, Xbox 360. A lot of uh, people still have a lot of fondness for many of these games, which I think is great. And I have played many of them. If I've played some of these, I'll give you a quick commentary. But otherwise, grab a, a notebook and a pen or a piece of paper. And if you want to play some Halloween in July, check out some of these uh, listener-recommended non-first-person horror games. i got a huge list. going to read through them right now. Let's go. All right, I'm going to go through these pretty quickly because there's a lot of them. So the first one was Alan Wake from 2010. Uh, third person, behind the back, Twin Peaks vibe, kind of a shooter 
It's got a sequel coming up, uh, so it might be a good time to check into that one. Alone in the Dark, which was the original survival horror game from 1992, uh, predating even Resident Evil, and Resident Evil took a lot of cues from Alone in the Dark. This one's also getting a remake pretty soon, so good time to revisit. Got multiple votes for Bloodborne, which I think is appropriate, even though it's kind of a Souls-like-ish. Uh, there are a lot of horror and specifically cosmic horror elements in it, and I think it qualifies. Next was Clock Tower. I got vo- multiple votes for Clock Tower 1, but then people also recommended Clock Tower 3 as well. Uh, Clock Tower 1 is one of my um, most memorable horror games I've ever played. I believe this is on PlayStation 1 from 1995. Uh, and this is the one that gave me permanent trauma around elevators. Uh, the main uh, enemy in this game is called Scissor Man. He's like a little hunchback dude with this giant pair of scissors. And as you're playing through the game, which is actually really cool and really revolutionary, um, because if I remember correctly, multiple people in the game could have been Scissor Man, but his identity at the end of the game depends on who you choose to play, how you play, who survives and who doesn't, and what choices you make. And it's different. So if you make different choices, the the true identity of Scissor Man could be different every time. I think there was at least six different endings, if not more than that, I believe. Uh, really revolutionary, really, really cool and dynamic at the time. So that was awesome already. But um, the thing that really stuck with me was there's many times when you're investigating like a school or an office building and you have to take an elevator. And usually when you get an elevator... You're pushing the button and the doors start to close, but then Scissor Man will make his way down the hallway. And it was always a crapshoot to whether the doors would close in time to save you or if he would get his scissors stuck in the door before uh, you get to close the door. And folks, friends, family, this elevator part fucked me up permanently. Uh, this game came out in 95, 1995. Ever since then, literally, I'm not kidding. I've said this before on the show. Every time I get into an elevator and I push a button, I immediately start the countdown. Would this door close in time to save me from Scissor Man? Every time since 1995, it has never gone away. I am permanently traumatized by this game. Um, It's not one of the most terrible forms of trauma to have, I guess. It's not debilitating or anything, but literally every elevator I get to for like the last however long it's been, decades, uh, I think of Scissor Man. So that should kind of tell you the impact this game had on me. Uh, I don't know how well it holds up today, but boy, I was, I was shit myself back then, friends. It was a good one. Um, Darkwood. I played Darkwood recently. I thought this was a fantastic title. It's a top down. Again, you play a person kind of lost in these woods. You don't know what's going on. Um, the story is really enigmatic and you have to kind of, there's a lot of survival elements to it, finding resources and stuff, but just being top down in a forest and what you can see is what is on the screen. So you don't get um, like the godlike awareness, uh, situational awareness, right? You can only see what's ahead of you, even though it's top down. So a lot of the screen is fogged. Um, the audio plays a lot of tricks on you and it can be really scary uh, despite being top down where you're like, you don't know what's around. Is it an audio mirage? Is it not? Is there a wolf behind me? Is there not? Great stuff. Great stuff. Dead Space. Uh, the person who recommended this said both the OG version and the remake. They also said Dead Space 2. Yeah, I mean, those are great horror games. I enjoyed the Dead Space series. I loved playing it co-op with my wife. Um, I believe Dead Space 1 is single player only, but I believe Dead Space 2 and 3 are both uh, co-op. There's also uh, a shooter, which was on the Switch, I believe, which was also a pretty decent game. Uh, Dead Space is a pretty legit series, uh, despite being from EA. So I think uh, that's one to look into. 
uh, Dead Space. Oh yeah, Dead Space Two. I said that right. Deep Fear. Don't know this one, but that was recommended. Detention came up a couple times. Uh, this I believe is an Asian themed uh, horror game set in a school. I've never played this one because I don't have a lot of uh, appreciation for Asian themed horror with like the long black hair and the spooky girl ghosts and stuff. Not my jam, uh, but this one gets a lot of love. I see it mentioned quite often. Um, Dino Crisis. Uh, this came out from Capcom. Speaking of dinosaurs, uh, as we just talked about Exoprimal a second ago, Dino Crisis was basically Resident Evil with dinosaurs, and it was awesome. Same kind of like fixed camera, uh, item boxes. Main character was named Regina, was a really strong uh, lady, lady protagonist. Uh, I thought the the Dino Crisis games were fantastic, and I'm honestly shocked that Capcom has not tried to revive it. They did uh, Dino Crisis 3 on the Xbox a while ago, but it was a really bad misfire. It was dinosaurs in space, which ordinarily would be cool, but just they changed too much of it. It was almost like kind of action-y and jetpacks and stuff, which, again, sounds cool, but just in practice, it did not work very well. Just It was uh, too experimental, and they got too far away from the formula. If they brought it back to be Resident Evil with dinosaurs, I think that would super work, especially in light of all of the different renovations they've done with the Resident Evil series, uh, all the recent remakes and all the different uh, quality of life changes and design changes. Uh, Dino Crisis, I feel like, is money left on the table. I'm really surprised that they haven't uh, brought Regina back. Uh, Doki Doki Literature Club. This is a visual novel, which is a horror game. I played it myself, I think, uh, last year. Uh, it's on PC. It's on Xbox. It's great. It's really great. I think it's really well done. That's a very clever one. Very scary. Duskers, which I don't know anything about. Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem uh, from 2002. This is a pretty well-known one on the N64. Tapping into some cosmic horror. It's okay. It's not uh, my favorite game, but it was notable at the time for having insanity effects, where if your character suffered from seeing too many cosmic horrors, that they would have all sorts of weird things happening on the screen. For example... Uh, it would it would be like you're you would see your life bar slowly dwindling for no reason or sometimes the screen would go crazy or I think there was even one where it looked like the game reset like somebody hit the reset button on your N64 and you would jump up and be like what's going on in my game but then they punked you because it was actually fine it would come back to normal in a second so having the like kind of like meta insanity effects was really cool a lot of games have picked up on that since then um, so that's a nice one to revisit I guess just for that perspective if you have access to it Evil Within 2 uh, that I want to have not played fear effect, uh, from the year 2000, which was a kind of a blade runner ish Asian mythology, cyberpunk, lesbian action, st really strange mishmash of stuff, but like really cool, had a very cool visual style at the time. Game critics, uh, interviewed those developers. Um, and we were actually friends with them for a while when their game launched. And, uh, their their main character Hanatsu Vachel, I believe her name was, uh, was kind of like um, a, 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 an adult oriented kind of almost mascot for PlayStation for a while. When the the Fear Effect advertisements went out, it was a lot of like lesbian imagery, a lot of like nude imagery. Um, some of the stuff in the game was pretty risque, which is surprising, you know, considering it was a console game. Uh, but I remembered really like it. it. Had a lot of um, big trouble in Little China vibes, where there's kind of a mashup of like. Uh, I guess, Eastern mythology, along with like, you know, Western, Western themes and Western perspective, a really interesting um, mashup. I really liked it a lot. And I, uh, I don't know how it holds up, probably pretty rough these days, but definitely worth it just for like theming purposes. Haunting Ground, which I've have played before is a great one. Um, 
that one I think was on Xbox 360. It's really hard to find, but I think it's a really cool worthwhile one where you're a lady and you have a dog and you're escaping from a series of serial killers through these different kind of Resident Evil uh, locations. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't seen more of that one or it's not even been released, re-released, I don't think. Illbleed, which is one from the Dreamcast. I, I don't like Illbleed very much. I think it's a bad game, but it gets a lot of play on YouTube. People like it because it's weird and funky. Not one I'd recommend, but you know, hey, there you go. Whatever floats your boat. Kudelka was a really deep cut someone mentioned. This is uh, a very difficult, really kind of uh, obnoxious to play game that was on PlayStation 1, I believe. A lot of cosmic horror themes where you play uh, either a man or a woman going through this like abandoned castle trying to find some, I don't know, book or something, cosmic horror stuff, whatever. Interesting turn-based, grid-based battles, which is not something you see in horror games very often. But I think it was interesting at the time, and it's also really notable because it is the game that is the kind of secret predecessor to the Shadow Hearts series. I know a lot of people have a lot of love for Shadow Hearts. Uh, Shadow Hearts number one was one of my favorite uh, RPGs of all time. I, I spent a lot of time on that one, really loved it, horror theme RPG. And then it kind of gets goofier from there, Shadow Hearts 2 and 3. Our, our, our cult favorites, a lot of fans for that one. But I don't know how many people know about Kudelka. K-O-U-D-E-L-K-A, which has some of the same themes, has the same bad guy, Roger Bacon, Uh, as the main game in Shadow Hearts and there are definite connections so if you are interested in Shadow Hearts or you're a fan of Shadow Hearts you do owe it to yourself to go track down Kudelka it's a different experience but if you are invested in that world and that universe um, it is an interesting thing to see even though it's not nearly as wink wink nudge nudge as the series got in later installments all right let's see we have Kuon which I'm not familiar with Little Nightmares, which is a great one. I love Little Nightmares. Uh, Third person, kind of a 2.5D. You play as a little, tiny, small human being in a world full of giant carnivore, weird, gross puppet people. Um, Really spooky, really weird, unsettling. I think it's great. Midnight Scenes, don't know that one. Night of the Scissors, don't know that one. Nightmare Frames. Uh, Parasite Eve, which is an interesting one from, I think, PlayStation 1, I believe. Kind of a Resident Evil camera. You play Detective Aya Brea, who is fighting, um, I don't know, this little, uh, oh, mitochondria. That's what it was, mitochondria, which were kind of taking over uh, people and turning them into monsters. Kind of a turn-based tactics sort of a thing in a Resident Evil world. Pretty cool. The story is like nonsense, but good systems. Of course, lots of people recommended Resident Evil 4. Uh, the original, also the remake, multiple votes for that one. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Rule of Rose, which I have to disagree with. Uh, Rule of Rose, if you don't know, is something that came out, I believe, on Play- PlayStation 2. It was really uh, controversial at the time because I guess, uh, I don't know, like kind of a pedo angle to it a little bit. I mean, I feel weird even saying that, but you played a little girl and you're, you're worth a dog I believe the dog's name was Brown, I think. And he would like sniff out clues. And so you'd walk through this, these different hallways and this weird, I don't know, like, like unmoored place in reality. Like the whole thing was kind of like a fantasy and everything was, was just like kids, like kids, violence against kids, scary kids, scaring other kids. Like it had a weird, just kind of a strange vibe to it. Um, but it got really well known as a cult game that people wanted to track down. I think if you try to find a copy of it now, it's like really, really expensive, um, I had it at the time, but I believe I sold it because I just didn't care for it. I kind of wish I'd held on to it now. Probably worth a couple hundred bucks at least. Uh, honestly, I don't think it's that good of a game. I think it's kind of overrated and it's become overrated even more so because it's really hard to find. Uh, press run on that was really low. So I, you know, I don't know. Maybe check it out on YouTube or something. This is not one I get behind, but check it out. 
Sanitarium, I've heard great things about. Signalis, which I played, which was very much like a top-down, kind of a Silent Hill sort of a thing. Uh, some great systems, some great imagery. I think it leans uh, too much into puzzles. I covered this on the show a little while ago. Um, it really had me in its grip for probably the first three quarters of the experience, but then it just leaned too much on um, item management, going back to item boxes, and the puzzles was just was just out of control, especially when the story starts ramping up and you start getting really invested. Um, some of it was really impenetrable and some of it was just like, just, you know, like I got a puzzle box and it's got a lock on it and the lock is in the shape of an owl. You got to find the eye for the owl and that's inside of a, uh, you know, a numeric riddle that's inside this other room. And it's just kind of like, it kind of, it just got carried away with itself. So I like it, but I do have a lot of problems with it. Um, of course, one of the most famous uh, non-first-person horror games, Silent Hill, the entire Silent Hill series. Silent Hill 1, um, interestingly, got the most votes. I believe it got five votes. Uh, I like Silent Hill 1. It's probably my favorite of all the entire series, although Silent Hill 2 is generally recognized as the quote-unquote best. Uh, multiple votes for Silent Hill 3 and also one or two votes for Silent Hill Shattered Memories. So those are like the classics. Definitely one of the cornerstones of the genre for sure. Um, someone said Splatterhouse, the 2D arcade game, which is, you know, okay. I mean, sure. Arcadey, is it horror? I mean, I guess it's horror, I suppose. It's kind of hard for me to feel scary or to feel like really horror when I'm side to side bashing stuff. And to be frank, I don't think it controls that well. But uh, I like the theming for sure. And there was a remake, which I thought was pretty good on PlayStation 2. Um, kind of janky. It changed everything up and went to third person, kind of action-y combo based. Uh, but I remember having a pretty good time with it back in the day. Uh, Elijah Bame, uh, former writer, game critics, and uh, man about town, recommended a really strange one I've never heard before: Star Wars Droid Works. <laughs> I had to ask him. I'm like, are you sh- are you are you responding to my horror thread? What's going on? And he said, yeah, he actually wrote an entire article about it. You can find it. I believe it's at Kotaku, if I'm not mistaken, where it's supposed to be like an educational title, like an edutainment title. But apparently, you put together a droid, and then you get chased by some kind of invincible monster. And so you spend a lot of time just running away from this thing that cannot be killed, which seems like it really traumatized him. So I've never played this game. I've never heard of it. I don't know where you'd even find it. I'm on PC. It must be. Uh, but I guess if you want a, a horror-themed, child-oriented edutainment game based in the Star Wars universe, uh, Star Wars Droid Works seems to be where it's at. Stasis 1 and 2. I don't know anything about those. Uh, there's a trilogy called The Devil Came Through Here. Apparently, it consists of games called The Cat Lady, Downfall, and Lorelei. I've never heard of these, but this one got multiple votes, uh, several votes. And so I was, I'm going to have to definitely check this one out. Um, I'm sure it's on Steam, if nowhere else. The Last Door, which I believe comes from the same people who did Blasphemous. Uh, I played three quarters of it, and I thought it was really cool. Really like kind of Lovecrafty, kind of Cthulhu-ish. Really nice point-and-click gameplay where it's not too bogged down with crazy puzzles and not too much item management. I fell off it. Oh, I forget why I fell off it. It might have just been because I got busy, but I'll have to come back to it. But I did think it was really cool. Last Door is nice. The Suffering uh, was a third-person action-y, kind of a beat-em-up slash-em game. That one was pretty good. I remember liking that one quite a bit. Tormented Souls, which I don't know anything about. And the last one in this uh, list, World of Horror. I'm very excited for this. It's on PC. It's got these really lo-fi, pixely graphics. It looks almost like a RPG slash visual novel blend of some kind. I'm not exactly sure how it plays because I've only seen screenshots of it. But every time I see a screenshot, I'm like, oh my god, I want to play this so bad. It really reminds me of Junji Ito a little bit. And like, just this weird kind of like 
um, I don't want to say uh, magical realism because I think that's not the vibe they're going for, but kind of horror realism where it's like a real world setting, but then one thing is really horrific about it or something is really off about it, uh, which I think can set up for a really cool atmosphere. So World of Horror, I'm really excited about. I think it's still in early access. I believe the developer is still just working hard on it, but um, I've definitely got my eye on that one. So that was quite a list, quite a list for Halloween in July. And if you're like me, you want to play something that's not just about holding up a flashlight in first person in a dark hallway. You don't want to reclaim your fucking memories. You don't want to be reading a bunch of notes uh, in an abandoned uh, asylum or something like that. If you want to do some horror, but you want to do something that's not the usual horror, I just gave you like a, like two, three dozen games there that you could play that are all vouched for by the people who listen to the show and who uh, follow me on Twitter. And those people got some good taste, you know, so check it out. And in fact, I'm going to give a shout out to all these folks uh, right now. Let's see here. So shout out to Mark Lowe Prototype, Mike Burnett, Thief of Hearts, David Jagneau, Justin Granfield, Trashylvania, Elijah Bame, Alex Connolly, Space Ape 69, Nathan Cox, Sajon 77, Papaya Chemist, Stolisomancer, Michaela London, uh, the people from the Tales from the Backlog podcast, which is a great show. Go listen to it. Illogical Joker, Drive for Six, and Chips and Sticks. Thank you all very much for contributing. Um, there's probably a couple more that I missed. If I missed you, I apologize. But that was quite a list. Uh, very excited to check out some of these things. That's going to be the end of the official portion of the show. But as per usual, we got a couple non-game things to talk about. Uh, I'll get into those right now. No need to delay. Um, what do I have to talk about that is not gaming this week? Let's see here. All right. So let's see here. Uh, Rise of the Beasts, the new Transformers movie just hit uh, VOD, video on demand, uh, because I never go to theaters anymore because gross. Um, but I was actually really excited for this one. I'm a longtime Transformers fan, lifelong Transformers fan. Uh, but I am also a Transformers fan who was bitterly, bitterly disappointed by the Michael Bay years. The first Transformers was OK. I thought that wasn't too bad. But it just they just got worse and worse and they got longer and longer and they just were torture. Um, I had a really difficult time sitting through some of them. And in fact, I don't think I've even seen them all. I just it just burned me out. And as a Transformers fan, it just wasn't hitting the right notes for me. Um, they made like Optimus Prime kind of cutthroat in some of them, which was really weird. And just the the weird designs. I'm not a big fan of the redesigns where they just seem like these giant piles of parts. They don't really look like sharp and kind of well-defined like the way the toys do or the cartoons do. So not a fan of the Michael Bay years, but they turned it around with Bumblebee. That was one where Michael Bay stepped aside and someone else directed it. And that was like, apart from the first Transformers movie, Bumblebee was a genuinely good movie where it focused mostly on, of course, the yellow uh, car that we all know and love, Bumblebee, and just a couple of bad guys. It was a pretty small story, but I thought it was well done. They did a good job of building up the characters and I actually gave a shit about what happened. And so it was good. This is the next movie after Bumblebee. Uh, and I think it was also uh, not my favorite movie, but really well done. I, I think the 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 franchise is on a good track. Uh, they incorporated some Beast Wars characters, which I was really, really, really excited about. Uh, the Beast Wars cartoon, probably my favorite piece of Transformers fiction. The Beast Wars toys, probably my favorite Transformers toys. Uh, so I love Beast Wars uh, more than anything. And I was so excited to see them finally get to be added to you know, like, like the movie, the movie canon. I think they did a pretty good job. Um, there were some surprises in the film, which I will not, we, I will not spoil here. Uh, but seeing Optimus Primal and Cheetor and Rhinox and Air Razor show up was really awesome. I think the animals look great. Uh, I think the bad guys in this look great. 
Uh, the whole thing was just was wonderful, but I also really appreciated the fact that there was a, a big focus on the actual human characters. Um, the the main guy, I forget his name. I think he was in Hamilton. I forget his name, but he did a great job. There was also an African-American lady who was a co-star. And I think that focusing on these two was great. It showed like just the human side of it. It was really relatable. Both these people trying to come up and trying to make their way in the world and and having to fight against adversity. And then here come Transformers and kind of just like flip the script on them. Um, you, know, you know, it was really great. There was a lot of emphasis on family, a lot of emphasis on just being uh, an upright ethical person, which I think we really need in this day and age. And I think the the Transformers themselves were great. I think Optimus Prime, I don't know what they're doing with their character, uh, with his character. He did seem kind of out of, out of sorts for me a little bit. Uh, so I wasn't a huge fan of that, but otherwise, um, I think everything went really well and they kind of focused on Mirage, uh, the character, uh, voiced by Pete Davison as kind of being the main robot, which I was, I could leave or I could take. He was a little bit obnoxious for my taste and I'm not the biggest Pete Davison fan to begin with. Um, whether you like him or not, I mean, that's individual taste, but overall I was really pleased with it. I feel like this is a good Transformers movie. I give it a thumbs up. I like it. I'm not embarrassed by it. So um, if they keep up on this track, I think we're in uh, we're in good shape. I hope they I hope they keep going. Uh, I'm going to circle back on Gargoyles. Been talking about this for a while. My wife and I are currently going through Gargoyles, the Disney cartoon series. Uh, we're about halfway through the second season, which means we've only got about half a season left, and then we've seen all of season one, all of season two. And people have told me, I believe it was specifically Thief of Hearts. Uh, but other people have said season three is not canon. Apparently, that was when Disney and what ABC merged and some Disney properties went to ABC. And I believe Gargoyles was one of them. So I guess they fired all of the writers or or didn't want to pay the writers and gave Gargoyles to brand new writers who I guess didn't understand the show. I haven't gotten into season three yet, but basically everybody's like, don't even bother watching season three. Just stop. Stop at the end of season two. And at first I was like, well, I don't know, you know, what's going on. But now that I've gotten so far into season two, I get it because it's such a tightly wound script, um, tightly controlled script. And I mean that in a good way where they clearly had ideas before they started the show. It's not just like an episode by episode, like they had a beginning, a middle and an end to it. They have recurring characters, they have recurring themes, they have different issues which pop up. They have, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that uh, recursively comes back in a good way in a way that something intentional can do like it's it's really tough to do that if you're just going episode by episode and you don't really have a series bible or a showrunner but uh the people who created gargoyles clearly had a whole story in mind like they have a lot of scottish themes they do a lot of time travel they do a lot of uh, bringing characters back and seeing their perspective kind of a rashomon sort of a thing um so it's it's way more nuanced and complicated than i expected it to be at the start and i can see why those writers, I mean, they had created something so kind of um, intricate and delicate and complex. If you fired all those folks, there's no way anybody brand new off the street could just pick that up and run with it. Uh, so that seemed like a really stupid decision. I don't know how bad those, episodes, those season three episodes are. Um, we'll see. I may give them a try, but I've heard they're pretty terrible. Uh, but anyway, I do really strongly recommend Gargoyles. It took a few episodes for us to kind of click with it. But now that we're, you know, more than halfway through, we really do like it. Um, a lot of funny moments, a lot of good character moments. Uh, it's just a really good show. It, it does live up to the hype. And everybody that told me it was worth watching was absolutely correct. So shout out to anybody who told me it was worth watching because it is. The last thing I want to say is... A quick mention of National Treasure Edge of History. This is the TV adaptation of the National Treasure movie franchise starring Nicolas Cage, uh, which was native to the Disney Channel. Um, so this is kind of an interesting one. 
because it got a lot of hate um, from multiple angles, and I didn't know about it at the time. I'm coming to it just now, so we kind of missed out on when it debuted. It's already canceled, which is a shame. I heard it got canceled two weeks after its uh, 10th episode ran, and that was the end of the first series, 10 episodes. Uh, it got the axe like almost immediately, which is ugh, a shame. Basically, Nick Cage is not in this, and I think that was people's big problem was like, where's Nick Cage? We love Nick Cage. Like, I get it. I get that you love Nick Cage. I love Nick. Everybody loves Nick Cage. But this was a, a spinoff. It was kind of a, a spinoff of the show. It had some of the movie characters. Uh, Harvey Keitel was in it. Um, the guy that plays Nicolas Cage's uh, bumbling assistant was in it. I think one more person was in it from the movies. But this was the story of a girl. Uh, her character was named Jess Valenzuela. She is an illegal immigrant in America. And she, her father and her mother were researchers and treasure hunters. And so she is now left to pick up that, that mantle. Um, it's really interesting because it was kind of not, a, not in the same vein as the National Treasure movies, but it was kind of like a teen comedy slash drama slash history slash treasure hunting. They had a lot of, uh, you know, they kind of Disney-fied it a little bit, where if you know what some of the Disney teen shows are like, it was like that, where everybody was like young and beautiful and the kids were kind of dating each other and they were doing teen problems and stuff. But also there was, you know, a treasure hunt underlying the whole thing. And also there was a lot of history. Um, it was cool because the main character was a person of color. Uh, most of the cast, I believe, were people of color, which was nice. I'm sure that pissed off a lot of fucking rednecks. And um, they talked about a lot of modern day issues. And in fact, I'm sure that how, quote unquote, woke this show was is what sunk it. Right. Because um, they talk a lot about immigration and how that can affect people's lives. They talk about what it's like to grow up as an immigrant and especially an illegal immigrant, which I thought was really great. I love seeing that perspective. Um, they talked about like, you know, oversight of the government. They talked about, uh, you know, like, uh, social media. They talked about a lot of things that are happening right now, like, like literal uh, issues that are happening to kids in their daily lives. Something that we talk about all the time, um, you know, good relationships, uh, sexism and stuff it was really current and it was really aware of, of and being in tune with modern society, which again is probably what sunk it, right? Because there's a lot of people out there that are, that are not uh, hip to that stuff. These conservatives or, or, you know, Nazis or whatever, who don't want to see this stuff on TV. Um, and I think we need to see more of it. I was really into the show. I think it was great. It was really wonderful from a family perspective because we would often pause the show and talk about the issues that were raised, whether it was the treatment of, um, immigration or or some of the historical stuff that they brought up just like the national treasure movies uh not a, it wasn't pure fiction there were some historical aspects to it this one focused a lot on lewis and clark and their their journey across the country um sacagawea and also conquistadors in south america and so we would also pause on those just talk about those issues real quick i mean really educational really timely really relatable I think the cast was a good cast. I was having fun with it. And the uh, treasure adventure, I think, was well done. Um, yeah, so it's not a Nicolas Cage big budget movie. But I think taking that idea of being a treasure hunter and relating it to that world worked really successfully. Um, I just I just can't get past the feeling that because it was too woke for people, that's what canceled it. And that's a shame because I think it was a really great property. I would have loved to see a second season. In fact, they set it up for a second season. Did not come to fruition. But it does complete... Uh, it is a, a, a beginning, middle, end. It does wrap up. There's no cliffhanger at the end, so I can recommend it if you have a family or if you just want something on the lighter side or you want more of the National Treasure universe. Good stuff, and I'm really sad it got canceled, but I do recommend it even still. And this is a show. That's a show, folks. Uh, as always, send me your questions and comments. Hit me up, podcast at gmail.com or 
hit me up uh, on basically every platform, uh, mostly Twitter still and Blue Sky, I guess, if you're on Blue Sky, but Instagram as well. Anything else? Co-host, uh, a couple of places, Spoutable maybe. I'm on all those. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And that is going to do it for episode 345. Thank you again for joining me here on the So Video Games podcast. And I'll see you next week.